Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Beautiful picture of marriage. We'll show one of those each week during this sermon series throughout the, throughout the summer. Uh, just a picture of a, a man and woman that love each other after all those years. So much fun doing those interviews and hearing those stories. And uh, they said a hundred things we didn't have time to put up there. All of them were good. So thankful for men and women like that. Let's pray and we're going to begin this morning. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word this morning. We thank you for the truth that you give us, Father. For the chance we have now to learn and to apply to our lives, Father. I thank you for men and women like Bob and Sarah and Lindsay that have been married so long. So much wisdom, Father, can help us. Uh, Lord, I just pray you would speak, Lord, through them to us, that uh, your name would be glorified as we study your word this morning. And I pray that as we open the truth, Lord, that through the spirit, through the power of what you're showing us, Father, we could be transformed more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, take your Bibles and open to the Song of Songs. <clears throat> The Song of Songs. And let me just say again, Happy Father's Day, guys. I hope you have a fantastic day. Hope the Lord blesses you as you spend time with your, with your family and um, get a little bit of rest and maybe eat some good lunch in the meantime. Happy Father's Day. We are continuing today our study through the Song of Songs. I'm very excited about this study. We're calling it Passionate Pursuit because this book speaks directly to issues that our society struggles with. Now, I said this last week. I'm going to say it every week, I think, just to remind you. This book is about love, <clears throat> romance, sexuality, passion, intimacy. All of those things are God's idea. You understand that? God created those things for our enjoyment and for our pleasure, the problem is society struggles with those things because we've allowed Satan to hijack them and lie to us about what they really mean. And so we've been tricked in our society into believing things like marriage is not forever. We've been tricked into believing things like intimacy is impossible. We've been tricked into believing that physical intimacy before marriage and the experiences we have without commitment don't carry any baggage. All of those things you need to hear very clearly from the truth of God's word. All of those things are lies. But I believe because far too many people, and many of them are within the church, because far too many people have listened and heard those lies, our marriages are in bad shape. And so regardless of where you are this morning, and I can promise you in a congregation this size, in a church with three services our size, there have been people this morning that have heard this sermon whose marriages are on the brink of disaster. Maybe that's you. And so I just, want to, I just want to speak into your heart right now and give you truth very simply before we move forward. God wants your marriage to be incredible. He wants you to find joy and hope and passion, and closeness in that marriage. And I think as we study the Song of Songs, we can see God's plan in marriage because the text we're going to look at this morning and over the next few weeks addresses many of those issues. 
And so I want to give you this morning just a little background. I spent a long time last week with an introduction because I felt like there's some things you need to understand. You can go back and listen to the podcast if you want the kind of the details of this. But I'm going to give you the big kind of bullet points that you need to know before we jump into this study again this morning. Remember, and this is important as we think about how to interpret Scripture, this book is poetic. Okay, we spent a long time working through Genesis. Genesis was a historical narrative. They're very different The way you interpret them is very different. When we interpret poetry, we're not thinking about chronology and specific words and conversations. We're looking at big picture stuff. What's the imagery that the writer gives us? What things does the writer want us to understand? What's the emotion that's kind of caught up in this text? That's what we're looking at when we study the Song of Songs. Something else that will help you, and some of your Bibles may point this out, others may not, is that there are three characters that speak within the Song of Songs. There's a man... There's a woman, and there's a group of friends. And these are mentioned in some Bibles. Some Bibles kind of separate these and explain, some don't. But as we walk through it, I'll explain to you who's speaking. Because it's important for you to know in this dialogue who's talking in order to better understand what they're saying. And then finally, before we jump into the text, I want you to understand, this is is foundational. I want you to hear me here. This couple that we're going to see, although they're not married yet, they're building up to marriage. They're in courtship and dating right now. This couple in the songs of song, Song of Songs has a passionate desire and attraction for each other, okay? Now, let me just say this to the <clears throat> couple that's been married a number of years. And by the way, I'm going to talk to married couples first. And then as we get kind of towards the end, there's some things that the single people need to understand. But here's what you need to understand as a married couple. You should, within your marriage, have passion and desire and attraction and intimacy for each other. But here's the problem. When you've been married for a long time and kids come along and work comes along and life comes along, sometimes that passion and desire and attraction and intimacy within a marriage kind of gets pushed to the back, doesn't it? There's a thousand other things on the to-do list. Let me just encourage you, married men and women, you need to fight for that in your marriage. You need to work for it. You need to be very intentional as you think about what your marriage looks like. You you ought to be very intentional and fight for the passion and the desire and the intimacy that we find within the words of the Song of Songs. Because God wants your marriage to be great. He wants you to find joy there. And I want to look at some things this morning that I think will help. Now this morning is exciting to me because it's going to be very practical We're going to walk through the text, we're going to see what the text says, and we're going to take some very practical application that you can apply to your life right now that will help you in your marriage. So let's begin. Song of Songs, chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Now the woman is speaking initially. She's dreaming. We kind of talked about this last week. They're not really together yet. They're looking ahead to their marriage. They're thinking about their wedding day, their life together. She's still dreaming and thinking right now. Here's what she says, beginning in verse 12 of chapter 1. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh. That's just a little, kind of this little container that, that holds perfume. It's a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Now he speaks to her. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes are doves. Now she speaks again. How handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. 
Now he speaks again, the beams of our house are cedars and our rafters are firs. Now let's stop there for a minute. I want to draw a conclusion, kind of a main point. It ties very closely to this idea of passion and love and intimacy. But it's something that we see this couple experience. And it's something, now again, this, this, these points this morning, something you can apply directly to your marriage right now, okay? So here's truth number one. You should praise your spouse. Now, if you don't get anything else this morning, if you forget everything else I say, and you're looking for one very simple point of application in your life, in your marriage... It ought to be that you spend time praising your wife or praising your husband. Your marriage should be characterized by this sense that you praise and love and speak kindly of one another on a regular basis. Now verses 12, 13, and 14 kind of tie into this idea of passion and the desire to be together. There's this idea again of the sweet smell, they're attracted to each other. There's this idea of intimacy and closeness they desire to have. There's this idea of, of a beautiful flower from the vineyards of Engedi. And Engedi, by the way, is this oasis in the middle of a desert. It's in Israel. You can Google it. You ought to look it up in your Bible. Look up the spelling and Google it. It's interesting. Look at the pictures. Surrounded by just this vast wasteland of desert, dry, barren. In the middle of that is Engedi. It's an oasis with beautiful waterfalls, with pools, with streams, with lush vegetation. And they're saying to each other, listen, you're like a flower in Engedi, Surrounded by the dry, barren world, I come to you for refreshment. I come to you for peace. You are my oasis. So there's this clear sense of passion and closeness between this man and this woman. Look what begins to happen in verse 15 and 16. There's some very specific things. Bring verse 15 up if you would for me. He's speaking to her now. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes are doves. Now notice what he does here, right? He tells her, first of all, she's beautiful. He tells her that she's his darling. And he tells her specifically something about you that I like. Now I want to say something to you, men. You probably already know this, but if you don't, you need to mark this down. You can never tell your wife too many times that she's beautiful. Did you know that? There's no maximum quota, okay? It's not as if you get to this place in the week on Thursday afternoon like, I'm done with that. You know, I've said enough of those. Not only should you tell your wife that she's beautiful, but you should speak specifically about the things of her that you like. He says to her, you're beautiful. You're my darling. I love your eyes. Very beautiful. I mean, some of you are thinking this. Man, here's what you're thinking. You know, I've never said those things before, Adam. I'm not good at that. You know, I don't, I don't speak in poetic language. I'm kind of a, you know, meat and potatoes guy. I just kind of say it like it is, you know. And the old joke says something like this. The man says, you know, when I married my wife, I told her I loved her. If anything changes, I'll let her know. <laughs> Bad advice, just FYI, Okay. We should spend time telling our wives that we love them. If you say, you know, I'm not good at this. If you've never said it before, then guess what? When you say it for the first time, your reward will probably even be greater. Because she's going to say, wow, where'd that come from? Wow, that's amazing. We ought to tell our wives we love them. They're beautiful. We appreciate them. Now look at what she does in verse 16. Now she's talking. There's a dialogue. Bring 16 up. How handsome you are, my beloved. 
how charming you are. Our bed is verdant, right? Which is green and lush and full of vegetation. So she's saying to him, listen, you're handsome. I loved you. They're they're, they're basically praising one another. They're in love and their words show it. Now here's our problem. We have a tendency sometimes to not say the good and focus on the bad, don't we? I got a piece of advice years ago that I think is fantastic. I've never forgotten it. I think it's great advice. Here it is. In your marriage, you should praise the good things out loud and you should pray about the bad things. We flip that, don't we? We, we let it be known the things we don't like. <laughs> and then we're just kind of thankful to the Lord for the good things. Why don't we praise the good things and pray about the bad things? I spent a lot of time this week reading about this idea of praise in a relationship. There's a lot of studies that have been done, a lot of information, a lot of articles that have been written, and you can go out and read all those if you want to. But I found a couple of interesting quotes written by non-Christian authors. It was about this idea of praise. It says, I'm convinced that praising your spouse in public is one of the most important investments you can make in your family and in your leadership. Encouraging your spouse through positive communication can change his or her entire approach to life. Now, I think I need to speak to the men, but can go both ways. I think men, sometimes we need to be careful in the way that we speak to our wives, especially in front of other people. I want to give you just a little bit of advice here. If you don't know this already, you'll learn it very quickly. Your wife should never be the butt of your joke. Did you know that? And guys, it's easy. You're in a group of guys or a group of people, and you want to seem funny and say silly things, and you make a comment about your wife that kind of belittles her a little bit, and you mean it in jest, and everybody laughs, and she laughs because she has no alternative, by the way, in front of all those people but to laugh. She's not laughing on the inside. Did you know that? We need to be very careful in the way that we speak. Women, you, you should never belittle or embarrass your husband in front of other people. She just shouldn't do it. There's really no place for that. We, we should never speak harshly to one another. We need to be very careful in the way in which we praise and the way in which we speak and the things that we say. Ephesians chapter four twenty nine says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, for some people, this idea of praise is difficult. You're like, okay, I get that. I need to be praising. I need to be saying good things, but help me out. Give me some practical things that will help me understand what that looks like. I've given you four things. We've got them on the screen. I'm going to walk through them very quickly. Things that you can be doing when you think about praise. Here's the four things. You need to write these down or remember these. Praise needs to be, first of all, real or heartfelt. Okay, don't make something up. Guys, if there's something about your wife that you think is beautiful, that you're attracted to, tell her. Wives, if there's something about your husband you're attracted to, you think is nice, tell him, real and heartfelt. Here's the second thing. It should be exciting. Imagine if Amy buys it, my wife Amy buys a new dress and she puts it on for me. She says, what do you think? And I say, oh wow, that's amazing. She's not going to be real excited, is she? Or if she puts it on and I say, there it is. That's beautiful. I've never seen you look so stunning. I love it. See the difference? We need to have some excitement when we praise our spouse. Here's the third thing. It needs to be ongoing. You should do it on a regular basis. You should practice this, man. Practice encouraging and praising your wife. Women, practice encouraging and praising your husbands. 
The fourth thing, it ought to be public as well as private. Ladies, you, you may not know this, but, but, but your husband loves really nothing else than you praising him in front of other people. Did you know that? Makes him feel good about himself. We need to praise each other. We need to demonstrate to our spouse that we love them through the words that we use, through praising our partner. That's a constant theme we see in the Song of Songs. It's a constant theme we see really in Scripture. And it, watch this now. It's a constant theme that we see in healthy marriages. Did you know that? If you want your marriage to be, if you're struggling with marriage right now and you want your marriage to be healthy, one of the things you can begin to focus on is the praise you have for one another. That's the first thing, right? Now, look again at verse 16. The theme's gonna change a little bit. We've kind of had a dialogue. I love you, I love you, you're beautiful, you're handsome, right? This dialogue of praise. Now verse 16 kind of finishes off this idea of praise. How handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how charming. Now, interesting, I'm gonna show you what this means here in just a second. We'll come back to it. Our Our bed is verdant, which is green, grass, rich vegetation. Verse 17, the beams of our house are cedars, our rafters are firs. Now into chapter two, verse one, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women. By the way, she's unique. She's a lily among thorns. He, she speaks back to him now like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. By the way, apple trees don't just grow naturally in the forest. That's unique. I see that you're unique. I delight to sit in your shade. His fruit is sweet to my taste. She's still speaking to him. Let him lead me to the banquet hall. Let his banner over me be love. Strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Now let's stop for a second. We've already seen that we should be praising our spouse. That's one very simple, clear point of application for marriage. You ought to be praising your spouse, number one. Here's truth number two. You should provide for your spouse. You should provide for your spouse. Now, beginning in verse kind of 16 and 17, and really throughout the middle part of chapter two, we kind of get this glimpse into something a little bit different. We've been talking about the beauty and the love and the passion, and all those are still present. But I want you to notice something very interesting about something she needs in this marriage, right? How are we going to provide for each other? Men, what are the needs that your wife has to have fulfilled? Wives, what are the needs that your husband has to have fulfilled? They're very clear in these verses. Bring verse 16 up if you would for me. She's speaking. She's looking out into the future how handsome you are. But notice what she does at the last line right there. Our bed, she's speaking about the future, the marriage bed, right? She uses the word our. It's not my bed. It's not your bed. It's our bed. Verse 17. The beams of, there it is again, our house are cedars. Our rafters are firs. Here's what she's doing, right? She's gone from this idea of loving and praising to now thinking about the future. It's not your house. It's not your life. It's not my house. It's not my life. It's not any of these things separately. It's ours now together. You see that? It's our house. It's our bed. It's our rafters. She says, I want to begin to think about the future. Now, here's her need, right? We're going to start with her. This is important. Notice the way she phrases that in verse 17. She's speaking about the bed and the house and the rafters are cedars or firs. The house is made of cedars. These are big, strong pieces of wood. Here's what she's saying. Our house and the life we're going to build together is strong and secure. You see that? 
See, see the, the kind of the main need, and let me just say there, there are other needs. I'm not going to touch on all of them this morning, but just based on the truth of this scripture, one of the main needs a woman has is that she needs to know that her husband loves her and that their future together is solid. You understand that? She needs to know that he loves her and there's a strong future ahead. Our bed, our house, our roof, our life is strong I can count on you to be there for me, she's saying to him. I can count on you to love me. I can count on you when the chips are down to be the sort of man that I need you to be for me. I mean, if if you want to know what your wife needs, it's just real simple. It's not easy to do always, but it's real simple to understand. She needs you to love her and to provide her with safety and security. That's what she needs. It's a real simple model. Now, I want to kind of cut you off at the past, men, because here's what a lot of men do. As soon as I say that we've got to provide safety and security, the first thing that comes to our mind is financial. That's how our brains work, guys. I understand that. And so we think something like this. Yeah, listen, I've got to provide for her and get her a house and food and protect the children. And that absolutely is true. Absolutely is true. But that's not the whole picture. Okay, there, there are plenty of marriages where the man makes plenty of money, gives the wife nice stuff, and their marriage is in shambles. You understand that? That's part of the equation. But it's not all of the equation. And so, man, I'm going to give you some very practical ways. Again, we want to be practical here. Ways in which you can provide security for her. Man, your wife feels secure when, and we've got them. Put them up. Put the first one up for us. Your wife feels secure when That's my bad, Stephen. I... There it is. Yes, excellent. Go to the next one. There it is. There we go. Now we're back on track. Okay. So your wife feels secure when you show love by giving her attention and spending time with her. You understand that, guys? It's not just about making the money because, again, the the man's mind is I'm going to go to work. I'm going to make the money. I'm going to come home and provide. Honey, here's the check. You can buy what you need, the food, the house. You're safe now. I'm done. So when I get home from work now, guys, I can kind of check out. I can turn the TV on, read the paper, get online. I don't have to worry about anything else anymore. That's not enough. You understand that, I hope. It's not enough just to bring home the paycheck. She needs that, but she also needs you to give her attention and spend time with her. When you do that and you love her like that, she knows the relationship is secure. It's amazing to me, couples that struggle with marriage, I always ask the question, how's communication going? Oh, we don't ever talk anymore. How long has it been? Four or five years? Really? Took you four or five years to seek help before you realized something was going on in your marriage? Spending time with one another? Investing in your marriage? I mean, if you want your wife to feel safe and secure and feel loved, you need to spend time with her. You say, man, I'm worn out at the end of the day. Well, this is your calling. This is who you're supposed to be. I mean, God created our bodies stronger than women's usually for a reason. You come home tired for work, take a little quick nap when you get home, wake up and pray God give you strength and then step into the role of dad and do what you're supposed to do. Everybody goes to bed. That's your calling. Turn off the TV, turn off the internet, put the paper down, spend time with your wife and let her know that you love her. Give her attention. Here's the second thing you can do. Your wife feels secure when you speak to her with tenderness and love. 
Now, we touched on that just a few minutes ago, but guys, you're not talking when you get home to your wife the same way you're talking to the people at work. It's different. You're not talking to her the same way you're talking to your buddy that's playing basketball with you. You're not talking to her the same way you talk to your hunting buddy. You need to see her as precious and tender and important. I had a seminary professor several years ago. I was taking a class of his, and he used this analogy that really just stuck with me. He has a large family with a lot of boys. I think seven or eight children. Most of them are boys. He said, in my house, you know, we need a lot of plates and a lot of cups and a lot of silverware. And so we go and buy really cheap plastic stuff. We go to, a, you know, the dollar store or Walmart. We buy the low-end cheap stuff because I know when I serve food to my boys, somebody's going to break a plate. That's just the way they are. They're going to hit each other with the head. They're going to throw it across the room in the Frisbee. They're going to scratch it up. That's just, the, that's just the world we live in. So we've got this set of plates that we don't pay any money for, we don't care anything about, and we allow those boys, if they scratch them or break them or whatever, it's no big deal. He said, but then I've got this other set of plates. It was given to us by like a great-great-grandmother, I think, very important to my family, passed down from generations. He said, we don't use them very often, but when we do, we take care of those plates. We're gentle in the way we handle them. We're gentle in the way we use them. We don't just throw them in the sink or throw them in the dishwasher. We set them down nice and we wash them by hand very carefully. He said, that's the analogy you need to understand, men, with your wives. You need to treat her like this precious thing that she is. Be tender with her. Be compassionate with her. Be understanding with her. When you speak to her like that, she understands that you love her and that the future with her is safe. Here's another way that women feel safe. When you tell her how much she means to you. Tell her how important she is in your life. Tell her how much you love her. Tell her how you want to be with her. I read just a fascinating quote. It said, this this was again a, a, a secular study talking about women and specifically affairs. Women have affairs because they meet a man who will talk to them and make them feel special. Guys, you want to kind of fight against that in your marriage? Then you need to talk to your wife and make her feel special. That's what she needs. That's what she needs in marriage. She also needs to know that you're going to be faithful only to her. She needs to know, we said this earlier, she needs to know that you are going to provide financial, that you are going to work hard, that you are going to make things work. She needs to know that your strength is found in your character. We talked about this last week, right? The the woman loves the man because she's physically attracted to him, but his name is known as well. He's a man that people look to with respect and admiration. Pull verse 3 up again, if you would, please. There's this interesting analogy, this interesting thought, this kind of word picture in verse 3. As she's talking to him, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, right? Which is different, it's unique, we don't see it very much. Is my beloved young, uh, among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade. Isn't that an interesting phrase? What, what do we find when we sit in shade? We find peace, we find comfort, we find protection and security. She says, because of your character, because you're the man you're supposed to be, because you treat me with compassion, because I love you, I desire to be with you, I desire to sit in your shade. His character gives him strength that gives her peace within the marriage. You understand that, man? Are you getting the picture there? Here's what one one writer said. Here's one scholar explained it like this. A godly man has stability. 
His character is nourished by deep roots. And there's something about him, a strength of character that makes her willing to rest under his shadow. Every woman ought to be able to see that kind of character in the man she falls in love with. So safety and security and love are big needs for your wife, men. Now, men, let's talk about your needs. Now, I can already tell you that you're thinking of one thing. Let me just say this before we delve into this picture. I don't think we need to shy away from talking about what Scripture says about this issue. I think the world is going to lie to you. The world's going to trick you into believing something else. I think you need to hear the truth of God's Word. I think you need to figure out how to apply it to your life. Having said that, I'm probably going to tell you something you weren't expecting and then kind of circle back around here in just a second. Here's the basic need of a husband. You ready for this? Husbands want and need respect. That's kind of paramount in the marriage. That's what they need from their wife. In fact, Ephesians 5.33 says, The wife is to respect her husband. Now, that's an easy word to say. What does it actually mean? Right? Let's, let's, let's put some flesh on that. What does it mean? What does it practically mean? Here's some words that will help you understand. Men thrive when they know their wives trust them, admire them, believe in them. That's kind of what respect means. Wife, when you trust your husband, when you admire him, when you believe in him, that's basically what respect means. I'm going to give you a real clear picture. It's an illustration that will help you understand. And it'll kind of show two sides of the coin. I work all day in the yard. It's a Saturday afternoon, guys. You've been there, done that. You work all day in the yard. You've cut the grass. You've been, had the weed eater out. You've watered. Whatever you do, all day hot, sweaty. Your wife has been in town running errands. You're happy for her to do that. She drives up in the drive, and you're literally just soaking wet, sweaty, nasty, dirt, grime, grass everywhere. The lawnmower's still running. She rolls down the window in the driveway, and the first thing she says to you is, I see you missed a spot over under that tree there. You didn't... You didn't weep. Did you see? Did you know you missed that? Is that right? I missed that spot, huh? Now, men, if you're like me, you, it's just welling up right now, isn't it? Right? I've been out here four hours, honey. I mean, you know, one little spot. Now, ladies, I'm, I'm going to speak to you because I know when you drive up and you see the yard, you don't intend to say, you don't intend to hurt him like that. You don't, not at all. It's not at all in your heart. But here's what you're saying. I'm going I'm to translate it kind of in man talk. You didn't do a good enough job out here. You missed a spot. I can't trust you to do the yard correctly. I know you don't say that. You don't think that, but that's what we hear. We need you to believe in us and affirm us. And instead, here's the opposite. She drives up and rolls the out. She says, this grass looks amazing. Did you do this by yourself? <laughs> did you pay some? I mean, you did such, I've never seen it look so good. All of a sudden, my day's made in it, guys, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, I did it all by thanks, honey, right? We feel great. It makes us feel like a man, doesn't it? Something simple like that. Communication, praising, understanding the needs. Wives, we need to feel respected and admired. We need to be trusted. Now, some of you are thinking, I want, I want to go here because this is important. Some of you are thinking, Adam, when you said you were going to talk about the needs of a man, that wasn't the first thing I thought about. And you're right, that's important for a man. But I want you to hear something. I think this is awfully, awfully important. Men need that. We're going to talk about that. But oftentimes they want it because of a need that's much deeper than just physical pleasure. Now here's how one kind of researcher explained it. I think this person hit the nail on the head. I want you to listen very closely. 
The reason men want more physical intimacy is because of their strong need to be desired by their wives. Men simply need to be wanted. Regular, fulfilling intimacy is critical to a man's sense of feeling loved and desired. Husbands need our wives to desire us. You understand that? That's awfully important in the relationship. And so as that relates to physical intimacy, right? Wives need to do more than just be present. They have to be engaged. Why? Because we need to feel that we're being admired, that you believe in us, that you trust us. Far too many couples miss this. See, this couple in the Song of Songs understands this. This woman desires to be with this man. She trusts him. She admires him. She believes in him. She wants to sit under his shade. She trusts this guy. She has great respect and admiration for him. And so I want to give you, as I wind this up, just bear with me a few more minutes. I'm going to give you just some very specific, we'll go through them quickly, specific, very specific practical ways that wives can show respect to their husband. Now, before you say to me, wait a minute, Adam, you're a man. How can you tell me what a wife ought to? This list was written by a woman, okay? So she knows. Here's what she says. I'm assuming it's right. I'm just kind of. Here's what she says, ways you can respect your husband. Pull them up. We have them on the screen. The first thing you do is pray for your husband. He needs to know that you're praying for him. Okay, in case you hadn't figured it out, ladies, it's real hard to be a Christian man in this world. Guys, right? It's just difficult. There are all sorts of things that try to pull us away from being Christ-like. We ought to be praying for our husbands, wives, and letting them know that we love them. Here's another thing you do. Listen to them. Don't decide for them. Give your husband a chance to share his heart. Listen to what he has to say. Here's another thing. Praise and compliment him in front of others. We talked on that just a few minutes ago. Let other people know that you respect him, you admire him, you believe in him. He's the greatest thing in the world as far as you're concerned. Men need to hear that from their wives. Here's another thing you need to do. Expect great things from your husband. For me personally, when my wife kind of encourages me to do something or tells me that she knows I'm going to do a really good job, man, it just, it just lights me up. It makes me excited to want to go do what she's asked me to do. Encourage them and let them know that you expect them to do great things. Honey, I know you're going to build this work shed out in the back, and I can't wait to see it because you're fantastic at that kind of stuff, and I know it's going to be a blessing for our family, and you're going to do it so fast, I just can't wait to see how beautiful it looks. Right? That was pretty good, wasn't it? That sounded pretty nice. <laughs> Expect great things. Here's another thing. Tell him you respect him. Tell him you believe in him. Tell him you admire him. Tell him you trust him. Here's a, here's a quote that kind of summarizes all this. A woman's belief in a man empowers him like nothing else. Did you know that? His need for her respect and admiration is foundational in his self-esteem and belief in himself. So we ought to be praising each other on a regular basis. We need to provide for the needs of one another, men recognizing the need of your wife and fulfilling that need, wives recognizing the need of your husband and fulfilling that need. Imagine this, what if marriage looked like this? Instead of what can I get out of this marriage, what can I give to you in this marriage? How different things would be. How can I serve you in this marriage, honey? <laughs> what can I do to demonstrate to you how much I love and care and respect you? 
Now we've talked about married we talked about marriage and married couples and what that ought to look like. So if you're single or engaged, maybe you've kind of gotten a picture. By the way, a beautiful marriage is possible. Joy and intimacy and passion within a marriage are all possible in God's plan, in God's timing. But if you're single or not yet married, I'm going to speak to you right now. Verse 7, pull it up. Here's what the woman says. Daughters of Jerusalem, these are the friends I charge you. It's not a, it's not a suggestion, by the way. It's a charge. It's kind of a command. By the gazelles and the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. In other words, there's a time and a place. Don't awaken it until that time is right. Here's truth number three. We should praise our spouse, one. We should provide for our spouse, two. Number three, you should wait for your spouse. You should wait for your spouse. Now, let me just say something I understand flies in the face of what the world says, but you need to hear your pastor saying it from the pulpit. Sex before marriage is a sin, period. Just real clear. World doesn't say that to you. Social media doesn't say that to you. All the people at school that maybe are your friends probably won't say that to you. But we see that over and over and over in Scripture. Let me just tell you something you probably don't know. If you make the decision now to kind of walk down that path before marriage, what you don't know that you'll realize very soon after marriage is you are creating for yourself emotional baggage you're going to have to deal with later. And I can promise you there's plenty of us in this room that could tell you all about it. had a conversation with a man this week, and I'm not going to tell you who he is and not give you the details of the conversation. But he told me about something that happened. Check this out. 35 years ago, before he was married, and the emotional baggage of what happened 35 years ago is still affecting this woman in ways he had no idea. It's amazing, isn't it? 35 years. See, when we, when we get into those kind of physical relationships, we, we, the world just tells us it's simply physical. It's not simply physical. It's emotional and spiritual. And you've got to understand that when you make that decision, it's going to affect you in years to come. Now, let me just say this, because I'm sure there are people that have been down this road, maybe have made this mistake and wish they hadn't. There is absolute forgiveness in Christ, okay? There's grace upon grace, the foot of the cross. We give Christ everything. But if you're a young person that's contemplating this or thinking about it or thinking about physical intimacy before, intimacy before marriage... Let me encourage you just to wait on your spouse. God created marriage to fulfill that need. If you wait until the time is right, you will be blessed. See, God's got a beautiful plan for your marriage. God wants to do great things in your life. And the scripture tells us over and over again that your marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. And I want to finish with this. Here's what you need to understand. When your marriage is joyful and passionate and intimate and a beautiful picture, the world sees it. The world takes notice. And when you live your life like that in the confines of a godly marriage, guess what? God receives honor and glory. That's the kind of marriage we ought to have. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word again. Thank you for just the clear picture you've given us in scripture of love and passion, Father, intimacy between a man and a woman. It's a beautiful picture of marriage. Father, I pray for those that are younger now, maybe that are thinking about marriage or engaged. 
Lord, I pray you'd give them just the strength to, first of all, learn what marriage ought to be, aspire to that, the strength to wait until the proper time. And Lord, I pray for those marriages right now that may be struggling or that may be in kind of a lull. I pray that we would just remember just a, just a clear picture of praise, providing for the needs, loving one another, the way that we speak to each other, the way we treat each other. Father, I pray we just remember these words and the truth of this scripture. Apply it to our lives. And Father, in very private ways, ways that we'll never understand this side of eternity, Lord, you fix these marriages. You encourage these men. You encourage these women. Father, you do a miraculous work in their hearts so that their marriage can be a picture of Christ and his bride, the church. And Lord, I pray that all of our marriages will bring you honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the opportunity to pray. Maybe you want to come pray at the altar. Maybe you want to pray where you are. But I encourage you, as the Lord speaks to you this morning, you respond. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.